0: So what we're gonna do just for a few minutes, I said, we'll be in here just a, a little bit longer then we're gonna to head to the back and do some special things. But before we move to the back and I give you some instructions on what we're gonna do as a church family and for you and, and your family, it's really to remember why we're doing this? Like, why make a big deal about it? Why Sharpie Sunday? Why are we writing scriptures on the floors? Like, what's the reason behind that? To do that, we've been in a series, we just kicked it off a few weeks ago, where we've been going through and studying the book of Acts. Acts is the book of the Bible that speaks to the early Acts of the apostles and the Acts of the early disciples and what the early church was like, that first church and then how that grew. And we started to see other churches planted. The book of Acts shows us all of those things. So what's helpful for us today is to look back on those first churches, those early Christians, and to say, or to ask the question like, what did they value? What did they do? What was church like for them? We've been saying that church has obviously changed a lot since then, but there's some things about church that should never change. And that's what I want us to see. So real quick, if you got your Bible, we're gonna be in Acts chapter two. Acts chapter two is pretty famous in church world and Christian culture of that's where you look at this first early church. And we're gonna do that exact same thing. There's so much in here, uh, but we'll do it pretty quick. So kids, here's what I need you to be listening for. Kids and students, as you're listening to this, along with mom and dad, be listening for, is our church like this? As we read through some of this, is our church kind of like this? Let me read, I'm gonna kind of break it up into four different parts. So the first part, Acts chapter two, we're told this, verse 42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, which includes the Lord's Supper, or what we call communion, and to prayer. So right there, we get a list, a short list of some very specific things that this first church was not just known for, not just this is what they did, but what was the word there? They were, did you catch it? devoted. And devoted is a much more intense word because devoted means we are devoted to these things even when it's not convenient. We are devoted even when it's not my preference. We are devoted even when I don't feel like it. Devotion goes beyond just this is what we do. And let's go through that list. What were they devoted to? First, the apostles' teachings. We would say that's God's word. What we now is the New Testament, even the Old Testament, the scriptures. Devoted to God's word, the truth that is found in God's word. Even when God's word convicts us, even when God's word says, oh man, I'm doing this a little bit wrong, we are devoted to the truth that's in God's word. Also to that word fellowship, right? Now fellowship kind of has a watered down meaning in our language today. The original word there is koinonia. Koinonia is this very intimate type of relationship amongst a group of people. So we're not talking just family or husband, wife, or best friends. We're talking a a group of people that have koinonia with one another. And this idea of koinonia doesn't mean we always get along, doesn't mean we always agree, but we are so deeply connected. We love each other with sacrifice. That's the idea of koinonia. So they were devoted to that type of a relationship with one another, not just we go to church and then we leave. No, they were devoted to having koinonia, that level of relationship with one another. It also then adds, we're told, they were also devoted to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's supper. Literally what that phrase means there is the breaking of bread. In fact, your translation that you grew up with might even have said, and the breaking of bread. The idea is is another layer deeper or level deeper from koinonia. It's not just, oh, we're friends, It's not just, oh, we're friends and we hang out and eat meals together. It's no, no, our relationships are rooted in the sacrifice of Jesus. That's the idea of breaking bread. It's what Jesus did, the Passover meal that we now celebrate as communion, remembering his sacrifice. So we don't just gather together to hang out. That's what a club does. We are focused on God's word and on the sacrifice of Jesus. And that last part, and to prayer. We pray. Why do we pray? Well, we pray for God to do things. We pray that we would hear from God. Prayer, we had a a series on this in September where we get to look at prayer and say, no, this is how we actually grow in our relationship with God. So what's interesting is in our church today, like not just here at local church, but when you think church as a whole, there's probably a lot more things that would maybe make our list. Here's the things our church does. Here's the things the church does. And what I love about the early church is they did a lot of things, but they were devoted to just these. They were devoted to God's word. They were devoted to one another. They were devoted in the relationship with Jesus and to prayer. We do the exact same thing. Yes, we do more than just those things, but these are the ones we are devoted to. So as a church, we have been and will continue to be a church that is devoted to what is most important, and we will not get lost in lesser things. It's very easy. If you you grew up in the church, you know that preferences can start to take priority if you're not careful. We all have preferences. We all have opinions. We all have ideas, but we are devoted to these four. We do more, but we are devoted to just these. Verse 43, here's what happened because they were devoted to those things. Verse 43 tells us a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles and the, the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. That word "awe" there. I'm going to need some help. Kids you're going to have to be very helpful on this one. So what does "awe" look like? Show me a face of awe. Probably something like that. Yeah, that's a good look for awe, right? So "awe is one of those moments where you're like, "I can't believe that happened. Anybody watch a, a football game last night where that happened? I don't feel like I should really talk about it, but you can't help but talk about it, right? We're just, if you're an Alabama fan, I'm sorry. Don't leave our church over this, but it was awe. We're like, I can't believe it. Like we're not, we're not, we're not Tennessee fans, but we were yelling at the TV as a family last night. Just like, because it's, I can't believe it happened. We were in awe. You saw fans be in awe of what happened, right? You're not in awe of something that you can do. You're not in awe of something that is, oh, yeah, that happens all the time. No big deal, right? No, you're in awe when you could not do that. I've shared this before, but Dude Perfect fans, any other Dude Perfect fans? were huge Dude Perfect fans in our house. And, and until Dude Perfect, my kids were in awe of me. I would go out on the basketball court and I would just start draining threes. And they're like, dad, you're amazing. And I'm like, I know, I know. I could have gone pro, but I decided to be a pastor instead. And, <laughs> and they believed it. And then we started watching Dude Perfect where they're like blindfolded, full court, one handed hook shot and it goes in. And I'm no longer in awe from my kids, but they're looking at Dude Perfect like, no, that's a reason to be in awe. Cause dad, you can't do that. And you're like, you're right, I cannot do that. That's the idea of awe. God does what only God can do. Now, here's the trick though. Here's the hard part. If you wanna see God do what only he can do, you need to start moving into an area of your life where he actually has to show up, right? If you just keep living your life of like, no, no, I got this, God. Nope, God, I don't need you to show up. God, things are safe and good. I'm good, I don't need you. You're not gonna be in awe of God because you've got it. So if you start taking steps into a a place in your life where you're like, no, I don't got this, guess what you're gonna be in awe of? God showing up. So as a church, we have been and we will continue to take next steps that intentionally, keyword there, intentionally cause us to depend more on God. Because when we take those kinds of steps of like, God, I can't do this, you're gonna have to show up. God, I can't do this on my own. You need to fill in the blank. The more dependent we are on God, the more opportunities we have to be in awe. So let's keep taking those steps personally, in our families, individually, but also as a church to have that deep sense of awe where God does what only God can do. Verse 44, and all the believers, pay attention to what's highlighted up here. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Key words there, all they shared. Like it's this holistic view of the early church. What we don't read is, well, like some of them sold this and some of them met together at this time. Every now and then they got together to do this. No, keyword all. They were all together. They worshiped all together. They met needs all together. That's what we see in the early church, that they did this together. They worked together, served together, worshiped together. It was not a few took care of everything. It was they were all in this together. Every single person that was part of the early church had a part in the early church. But even with all of them together, I'm going to make some assumptions here. We're told how many came to know Christ. And as that number continued to grow, I mean, 3,000 and more and more and more. Even at the size of our church, we're not anywhere close to that. But we all are different, aren't we? We just said it earlier that we have different opinions. We have different preferences. We have different ideas. We have different backgrounds. We have different jobs. We have differences, yet somehow this body of believers, this early church didn't just work together, they had unity together. That's important. We can be different and still have unity. We don't even have to agree on everything and we can still have unity. We have and we will continue as a church, we will all share the responsibility and we will all protect the unity. We see that in the early church. They worked together, they were in this together, they shared the responsibility. Every single person, part of the church, youngest to oldest, has a part in the body of Christ. But not just a part, we recognize that we also fight for that unity. We focus on what we're most devoted to. Notice that was the first part of this passage. So we have unity and we recognize we all have a part to play. Last section here, verse 47. All the while, so while that's all happening, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I want to point out a couple things. The first is the most important. It's what God was doing. It's the Lord added to their numbers. It wasn't man they put on this big event and had a bunch of people show up. It's no, God was changing lives. God, through the message of Jesus Christ, was changing hearts. And keep in mind, the message of the gospel, the good news of Jesus is not, he'll make your life better. It's not, you'll become a better person. No, he did not come to make us better. He came to make us new, to give us new life. We use that phrase, born again, because we have been given new life. And everything about our lives is forever changed. But that's something that only God can do. You and I cannot change hearts. You and I cannot change lives for all of eternity. But what can we do? Because I just said we had a part to play. What part is ours? To lead people to the one who can. To lead people to Jesus. That's why we do what we do. We have and we will continue to lead people to fully follow Jesus. To know Jesus. To know not just the goodness of him, but the changing and transformational power that comes from him. And a life of a life that we give over to him and a life of following him. We lead people to fully follow Jesus. Now, when that happens, notice one of the byproducts of this. Praising God, we talked about that last week, while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. In other words, the community noticed what this church was doing and they loved it. And I love that picture. That when we are focused on what's most important, And when we lead people to fully follow Jesus, a community notices and it makes a difference. That early church had a massive impact, not just on individual lives, but on the life of their community. But they focused on that one thing, to always lead people to fully follow Jesus. That's what the early church did. They were devoted. They were in awe of what God was doing. They recognized the importance of everybody being part of this together. It's not just a few with some responsibilities. It's we all have a part to play. We all are part of this together and it's going to take all of us. But our eyes are set on Jesus to lead people to fully follow him. We can't change lives, but we're gonna point you to the one who can. And through that, a community began to be changed An impact started to be had. All because the early church was devoted. They were in awe. They recognized the importance of togetherness and they kept their sights on what was most valuable, leading people to Jesus. That's what we do here, right? We do more than that on some levels, but those are the most important things. And that's what we do. That's who we are. And it's what we will continue to build our church on, which is why we're doing Sharpie Sunday the way that we're doing it. So that we can remember not just, oh yeah, our church is growing. No, it's here's what we're devoted to. Here's what we want to be in awe of. Here's what we want our church to be, a together church, to share responsibility, protect the unity, but to always be leading people to Jesus. So with that as the context, with that as the backdrop of what we're going to do for the next part, uh, let me give some instructions because this will be a fun transition. So yes, um, I would suggest grabbing all your stuff. If you can if not, no worries, come back in here, but you've got another service that will be here at 11. So uh, maybe don't leave the valuables in here. It's a church, but you never know. Uh, So... (laughs) I gave you the warning. So as you head out, use either doors you want to. As you head out, we're going to go down the hallway by the bathrooms into the the large open warehouse space. When you get back in there, just everybody kind of move forward a little bit. I'm going to give you some specific instructions back there because I'm going to tell you now and you're not going to remember them or follow them. So we're going to step one. We're going to get to the back warehouse with your kids and with other possessions, and then I'll give you some instructions back there. Last thing I'll say on this one, I mentioned it earlier, parents just be aware, like it is a construction zone. uh, So there's some things like you should be wearing shoes back there and you'll see some areas coned off. Don't go over the cone. So help us keep people safe in that way. Head to the back warehouse and I'll give you some instructions when we get back there.